In this world there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. In this kingdom of God, we learn how to prepare for the next, last, and greatest awakening revival. Two trees stood in the garden. Each gave us a choice. The tree of rebellion is the kingdom of man, but the tree of life is Jesus' land. Hello and welcome to the first season of the teaching podcast called Exploring Jesus Land. I am your host, Pastor Kevin Neville, and um, I'm trying to do something kind of new here for me. Uh, For those of you who know me, I endlessly talk about the book that I'm writing called Jesus Land, and it's in progress, but it's still got a long way to go. Um, Turns out it's a larger book than I had anticipated, and um, the essence of the book is there. You know, the outline is there, and I'm just diving in as I can with the writing process, and it's it's ongoing, and God is, is, is blessing it, and I'm having a great time with it. But I didn't want to wait till it was all done. I wanted to be able to dive into each part of this, this book, chapter by chapter, because I really firmly believe that it is something that God is calling the church and followers of Christ into, but he's also calling people that... Um, don't really know what Christianity is or have has have been flirting with it, but never really knowing how to jump in or how it could get to the place where it's changing our life. What is God doing in this season? So this is what I want this podcast to be. Um, we're actually kind of doing it in reverse. I shot season two, um, and I'm coming back and shooting season one. So we're going to release these every two weeks. And when we finish season one, we're going to go into season two. And it's sort of broken up to the division of the book, uh, Jesus Land. And so this episode is to give an introduction to the introduction, if you will. The first segment of the book is exploring what is the kingdom of God? That's what the book is entirely about. What is the kingdom of God? What is it and why should you care? What does it have to do with you? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not and and interested to know what is this kingdom of God people keep talking about when you know somebody that's in the church. Or even if you have been going to church all your life and from the pulpit, they keep saying, we've got to progress the kingdom of God. We've got to advance the kingdom of God. And Jesus, we read in the Bible, was talking about he preached the kingdom of God. Paul preached the kingdom of God. What is it? And how does it break down? Is it just something we're going to go to when we die and you go to heaven if we have Jesus? Or is it something even for us now? So that is what this book is. And I'm going to spend this episode just sort of giving you the summary of what we're going to be talking about over the next um, 11, 12 weeks as we break down this first section of the book, um, Exploring Jesus' Land um, and Kingdom of God, an introduction to the Kingdom of God. So I want to talk about this book, about why, why you should be interested in it. Why should you be tuning in every week to this podcast? Oh, every two weeks for this podcast. Um, and what grounds are we going to cover that has to do with your life? So let me let me give an introduction today. Um, the next episode, we're going to kind of, I'm going to go ahead and actually read the introduction of Jesus Land about 
you know, how it breaks up, why we're calling it Jesus Land. You know, it's kind of a bit of a goofy name. You know, it sounds like an amusement park. You know, the the sort of amusement park you're going to find somewhere in the south, right? Um, and we're going to dive into the name a little bit and then sort of look at the breakdown of how we are going to take each season we do. Um, and I might even produce, we did we did a conversation um, season where we kind of cover this material um, with guests. And we have that in the archive. I might start posting, reposting that a little bit so you could see how each one of those matches into each of the chapters. So, And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be chapter by chapter going through the whole book. And like I said, it's a large book. Um, so it will take a few seasons but God willing, as the writing goes and the podcasts go, we'll be hitting the end around the same time. Um, and then if you want to continue the conversation, the book goes into even more depth for it. So really today I wanted to talk about not only how the book is formed, but why why I spent on spending so much time working on it and studying it and, and seeking God through it. Because I could literally say just the topic of it has changed my life. I've been a Christian almost 50 years, 40, 45 years um, since I was since I was a little kid. And I've gone to church. I've gone to Bible college. I've been in ministry 25 years. Um, and I do want to talk, talk a little bit about who I am uh, for those who don't know me. But when I started preparing for this book, God changed my entire heart and outlook. I was able to go through the whole Bible, read it again with a different lens, with a different view. I've been able to go to church and even in my ministry, revamped the entire way I looked at things. And, and let me start with um, uh, sort of the key slogan, the, the motto of this book, you know, the key point. Um that God gave me. So I'll start with the story of that. I, I, I'm a family pastor at um, a church called um, Bethel Christian Fellowship in downtown Rochester, New York. Um, but when I first started there, I was just sitting in the audience. I was, I was praying over, you know, in worship time when, you know, it's the best time for God to speak to me when I'm worshiping him and I'm lost in him. And I was sort of looking for the tagline for this book. How do I sum it up in one line that's going to show the heart of everything. And in the middle of worship, I feel God just dropped it on me in the entirety. And it was sort of overwhelming. I actually had to sit down, but it really sort of emphasized my passion for what I was wanting to write. And so this is the, the tagline for the book. How to prepare for the next last and greatest awakening revival. How to prepare for the next, last, and greatest awakening revival. And I, I firmly believe that is the message this is getting across. Now, I'm a big fan of, of researching revivals, and we're going to go through this book. Um, and different points, we're going to talk about different revivals that came from the church. And how did they begin? We're going to talk about Count Zinzendorf, um, who, you know, is, is one of my favorite church history characters. Um, but from him came the Moravians and the 100-year prayer meeting. From him came, you know, um, Whitfield, which would be leading, you know, the great revival in England that would come over and be the um, the first great awakening in America. You know, from him came different people that God set up to start the modern mission movement. 
Um, even coming through in this area with Rochester, um, Charles Finney was was right here during the Second Great Awakening. I mean, I really firmly believe that God is preparing to do something in the earth. And we talk about revival all the time. It becomes a buzzword. But what is it? How does it affect our lives? And what is God preparing to do? And we even look in, in the book of Matthew when Jesus himself said, and the kingdom of God will be preached to all nations. And then the end will come. So whatever your eschatology is or your end time belief, this still fits into them all because however you feel revelation is going to happen, um, and that's a crazy book. We're going to dive into some of that too. But whatever your personal stance is, we could agree on one thing. God is doing something in the church and through the church for the world. And that's what this book is all about, not just understanding the kingdom of God, but understanding the church's part to play in it in this day and age, but where you fit in to it all. And we're going to talk about the breakdown of that in a bit. But first of all, I want to tell you the story, well, who I am and the story of how this book came to be or is coming to be. So my name is Kevin Neville. I'm born in Canada, born and raised. I am Canadian um, in Waterdown, Ontario, Canada. And I was saved when I was when I was very little, you know, just walking down the road with my mom. And a neighbor lady came out and shared the gospel on the street. So you know, see all those people that come out and just randomly share the gospel, you know, and they seems to be annoying sometimes. Maybe they have blowhorns and um, you know, how effective could that be? But this this changed my life. Um, even starting from a young age. Just a neighbor that didn't know us. We were new to the neighborhood and just struck up a conversation but was so passionate about Jesus that that conversation became one of salvation, even for a little kid there. And my mom was with me too, obviously. Um, but even growing up a little bit older, when I was eight years old, we had um, a traveling vacation Bible school. This, this, this retired couple would come into town in the RV. They would partner with the Presbyterian Church, and the RV would be parked out out back. Um, and with the church's guidance, they would run a vacation Bible school. And there's like only five of us in this vacation Bible school. But I remember thinking, this is the path I want to take for my life. I want to be like I see these people because they just love Jesus. Of all the things they taught us, other Bible stories, the one thing that rang truest is how much they love Jesus. And who is this Jesus that they love so much? And I was starting to learn through that, even though I went to church all the time and I knew the Bible stories, I was beginning to see that there was something even more than just the religious way to do things. There was something deeper in a relationship, and it was focused around this Jesus. So um, I went into ministry. Um, I thought I would be a missionary. I went to Bible college, Elam Bible Institute. Um, but God had other plans, working towards um, getting my master's degree and in education and cognitive development and then jumping into kids' ministry and youth ministry. And, and I've been part of that and family ministry for many years, working uh, – met my wife, Christy, 
Um, she's from Louisiana, and we met at Regent University. We were both working on our master's. And we've had many opportunities to go to many different places, both in America, Canada, on the mission field, working in many ministries, but really with our heart in kids and youth ministries, and finding ways that we could grow up and train kids, youth, and family pastors. And that's what I'm still doing today. Presently, I'm working as the family pastor at Bethel um, Christian Fellowship, downtown Rochester, but I'm also working as the next-gen director at Elam Fellowship, um, connected to Elam Bible Institute in Lima, New York. And so God's doing an amazing thing. But one of my passions has been, over the last few years, writing this book. And I want to tell you, today's episode is going to be about the story of how this came to be. And then next week, we're going to jump into the introduction. Or next episode, we're going to jump into the introduction. So this book came to be very simply in 2016 is when it began. And what happens is I was working at a church in Virginia, and it was a, an amazing church and a wonderful situation, but it just it, it wasn't the right fit and timing for that. And I found myself without a job. And, and my wife and I were kind of looking at each other saying, well, we don't, we don't belong here in Virginia. We can't necessarily, you know, we don't know what God has us next. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? We have no idea. We were sort of burnt out from ministry for a season. And I just knew that there was a revamp that I had to take into my life. I wanted to go through a season of counseling and, and growth and healing. But I didn't know where and when to begin. So we prayed, Lord, what do we do? What do we do? And I was talking to a friend of mine. You know, we both went to Elam together. He was my roommate at Elam, uh, Jason Poole. And, you know, I came up to visit and we spent some good time. One night we took a long walk. And, and I was like, Jason, I don't know what God has for me or what I'm supposed to do. And he said, well, I can't tell you what God has for you, but I can tell you Rochester's a beautiful city. A beautiful city that you could grow your family in. It would be fun to have you here. So maybe if you have no place else to go, you would consider moving to Rochester, New York. And you know what? I talked to my wife, Christy, and she said, well, I know no better place to go. Why don't we go there, seek the Lord, and see what's next? So we did. We rented a house. I moved in. I my, my wife was finishing her work, and the kids were finishing school, so I moved a few weeks, about three weeks before that, her two or three weeks. I found a house right downtown Rochester. I've always wanted to live sort of right in the city core. Um... But I remember we moved in. I moved in 2014, I guess it was, yeah. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but it was actually on the date um, that celebrates Rosh Hashanah. We're going to dive into Rosh Hashanah in season two of this podcast. But Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. It's actually... There's actually two New Year's, but one of them is actually celebrating what they believed was the anniversary of God creating the world. So it was not only a New Year, but it was like the beginning, you know, celebration of the very beginning. Um, and it's it's the Festival of the Trumpets, and it's a celebration. But what's interesting about that is it's connected through something called the Ten Days of Awe to Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. What's valuable about knowing this is this was something that God set up in the book of Deuteronomy. And it was tied into something called the Shemitah. And the Shemitah was tied into something called the Year of Jubilee. 
And they were all tied into the idea of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a time when God created the world. He created for six days. And on the seventh, he said, today I'm going to rest. And so when the Hebrew people, when God was giving them the law and the Old Testament and setting them up, God said, on the seventh day, we're going to call it the Sabbath. I want you to rest. I want you to spend this day focusing on me and and growing in our relationship together. Because I know God had something special planned for them as he was working towards the rescue plan of the Messiah. We're going to dive into all that. But just to know that the seventh day was a day of rest and reflection on God. Not to do any work. Take the day off. Don't even cook. Cook the day before and be ready. So that day you could totally rest and focus on God. But not only did he have that set up once a week, but he had that set up once every seven years. And so every seven years in the book of Deuteronomy talks about the Shemitah year, the year of a whole year. That's a Sabbath year. The 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 land was to be left fallow, you know, you eat what you've already stored up over the other days. Um, it was a, a year to just focus on God and rest, rest the land, rest the people, and have this year that is focused on God. And it would begin on Rosh Hashanah for a whole year, every seven years, and then it would go to the next Rosh Hashanah. So one year. And then from there, every seven times seven, seven is a big number for God, as we're going to find. But every seventh day was the Sabbath. Every seventh year was the Shemitah year. And then seven times seven, which would be 49, was the cycle. And then on that 50th year, the year after the the last seventh Shemitah year, was the year of Jubilee. And this was a great year. You can read about it in the Old Testament. We're going to be diving into what it is in season two and three. But the year of Jubilee was a year where everything resets and God does amazing things. And we're going to find out how Jesus himself was declaring this season a year of Jubilee. But back to my story, I had moved to Rochester, unbeknownst at the time, on Yom on, on um, Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of what and, and and the calendar is a little bit fuzzy. People don't know exactly how is it, but many people um, believe, doing the math back, that that year was a Shemitah year, one of the seven times, not the seven times seven, just one of the seven years, a Shemitah year. And so it turns out I moved to Rochester, no job, no church, no direction of what to do next. I, I had money saved in the bank. Christy and I had saved up, so we had some money to live on but no income coming in. Um, We just knew we had to seek God for what was next. As it turns out, without planning it, I would end up staying, me and my family would end up staying for one year, and then we would eventually move away one year, one Jewish calendar year from that day on the next Rosh Hashanah. So even though I didn't plan it, God was setting me up for this Mita year to focus on him, not to work. I did a lot of work, but not a job, not a ministry that I was I was diving into, but really be there to focus on him and what he had for me. And so, yeah, I had to move three weeks earlier. So I hit this Mita year. I had to, Christy and, and the gang moved a little bit earlier. So I was left behind 
packing up the house and I moved on that. And uh, I'll put a post, but I do have a blog that was called, you know, My Year with the Lord um, that sort of talked about this. But where the book came about is that every day, you know, we were visiting different churches. We were growing. Um, you know, we were we were seeking the Lord and going through therapy and, and restoration. And it was it was a great year of growing in our relationship with God and together as a family. Um, but I wanted to write a book too. And I was in the process of writing a book. And since I was a kid's pastor and a youth pastor, I wanted to write a discipleship book for, for parents. And it was called, I think it was called... Um, how to be a hero in three easy steps. Yeah, I still remember that. And I was writing this book and it was sort of a, a fun discipleship book. But I'd go to the coffee shop every day. I would write and I was getting bored. I kept thinking, you know, Lord, this is not a book that's saying anything really new. I could think of 10 books that kind of say the same thing, but better. So why am I writing this? And why am I getting bored? And you know, I felt God said, well, he gave me permission not to write it. And um, it was sort of depressing because I knew there was something in me that I really wanted to attach to and write and, and share, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I didn't have the idea. And so every day I would walk down um, East Avenue in Rochester to a little coffee shop called The Spot. And I still love it. The Spot was my place to go. I would set up there. I would write for a few hours. I would send out job resumes looking for, you know, where I'll go for the next kids pastor or youth pastor position. If if God was opening that door, we were ready to jump back into ministry. Um, so right there at the spot, um, I just, I came to the place where I saying, well, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I have to say to anybody. What would I write? And I felt during this time of prayer, just sitting there drinking my coffee at the spot, one time I felt God just say to my heart, why don't you write a book about my favorite subject? Oh, I want to write a book about God's favorite subject. Yeah. And what would that be? And he said, well, what's the thing that Jesus talked about the most where he was here on earth? And I thought about it. I thought, the kingdom of God? Yeah. There's only one problem. I don't really know enough to fill a book about the kingdom of God. And I realized that that was probably true for most of us. So if I really believed that this was really God's favorite topic, and I didn't even have enough to talk about it, I was missing something out, missing something there. And so I felt, you know, the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, then learn about it. If you don't know enough to fill a book, learn about it. And so that began my journey for that year, seeking God of what, why the kingdom of God is important and what it could have to do with us today. And then the book started to be formed as I started learning. But what I, what I began to realize is the kingdom of God is about one thing, not about when it is or where it is or how it is or how it's structured or is it when we die or is it now, is it already, is it not yet? The kingdom of God is more simple than that because it's about one thing, Jesus. It's all about Jesus from the beginning to the end. And then I began to realize that if it's about Jesus, 
that everything is about Jesus. The entire Bible is not just a book of this, this is good advice, and this is the law, and this is hopeful, and this is a warning, and this... It's all about the story of Jesus. I I thought it was the story of God saving us. It's the story of Jesus, and in it is Jesus' heart, and in it, his heart is him saving us. But to go back, it's still about Jesus. And so I began to see everything through this Jesus-centric filter. When I read the Bible from beginning to end, I realized the whole thing is just the story of Jesus. In fact, um, in Kids Church, I wrote a curriculum called Epic that's focused on this, saying, how can we go through the whole Bible and see the whole Bible through a Jesus-centric filter till we realize that the story of David and Goliath is not just saying, you guys need to be brave and stand up for what's right and, and with God. It's really the story of, this is an example of what Jesus is doing for us. And how do we stand up? It's not through our own courage, but it's through our relationship with Jesus. So I began to see every single thing in the Old Testament, in the, in, the, in the book of Genesis at the beginning was a setup of how God wanted us, how Jesus was in a relationship with us. And then when we lost that, the whole Old Testament is a foreshadow for the coming of Jesus because the kingdom of God was being reestablished on this earth. And we're going to dive into that. So, That began to change my life for that rest of that year as as I was preparing. But then my big question was, I didn't even have the tagline then. I I, I said, Lord, as I'm learning about the kingdom of God and as I'm learning about a Jesus-centric approach to the kingdom of God, that's great, but why should anybody care about reading the book? In fact, when I would talk to somebody about the kingdom of God, it'd be like, yeah, I heard about the kingdom of God in church. I could talk about it a little bit. And, and yeah, but, you know, the eyes would sort of glaze over and it'd be like boring. It's not exciting. Like, you know, talking about marriage or talking about, you know, something that that's, you know, a manhood, how to be godly manhood. And, and I said, you know, it was just sort of glazed over the eyes. This is a deep theological topic. It doesn't really have anything to do with me. And I was just like, Lord, you're putting this passion in my heart. How do I communicate that? What does it have to do with somebody that just picks up this book and says, what is this book about? And he gave me a few things. And we're going to dive into one of the things next week, kind of looking at our culture and the church of the culture, culture, this sort of Western Christianity and why so many people are leaving the faith or deconstructing the faith or, you know, saying, well, I still want Jesus, but the church is is kind of messed up, kind of jacked up. I don't want anything to do with that. And, and kind of seeing, you know, what patterns we see through that. But at the bottom line, what it has to do with you and why you should care about this topic at all is because as we learn about what the kingdom of God not just what it's going to be, but what it is now. The question is, where do you fit in to this story? And where should you fit into the story? We always know we were supposed to have a closer walk with Jesus and a more intimate walk with Jesus, but why? How do we get there? What do we do about this? Where are we coming from? Where are we going? How does this fit into the overall story? And where's my place in it? Where's my church's place in it? So we're really going to look at this as the four stages 
of immigration into the kingdom of God. Now, I know a little bit about immigration. I'm a Canadian, I said, but living in America, married to an American wife, but I'm still a Canadian citizen. I actually don't even have my dual citizenship here. I'm legally here. I'm on my green card. But this issue of immigrating into a different land as I'm looking forward to what I'm going to be doing in the future um, is a big topic, kind of saying, you know, looking at if the kingdom of God is indeed a kingdom, what does it mean to immigrate into it? And how do we do that? And so as I was researching and praying and seeking God, I saw really the kingdom of God was about learning about what it is and how we immigrate into it and why we need to. And so I could see everyone in this world in a different relationship with the kingdom of God of immigration. And so the four stages were starting to come together. And I began to see there was really, at the end of it, two kingdoms on this earth after Jesus, after Jesus came with his, you know, master rescue plan. There was the kingdom of man, which we're going to find out how the kingdom of man came about when Adam and Eve made that choice. And the kingdom of God. And we are born into one, but we have the choice to immigrate into the other. Why should we? That's the question we're going to talk about. But the four stages of immigration, if we choose, is we begin in the kingdom of man, because that's where we're born, but we begin as hostile foreigners. So we are foreigners to the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the kingdom of man. That is our natural kingdom that we're born into because of sin, because of fallen and brokenness, because we are in a world that is, has been usurped by the kingdom of, of man. I said, you suck by it. Oh, we're going to get into that. But we begin as hostile. You say, well, I'm not hostile to anything. Even if I'm just searching or if I don't know, or if I'm another faith, I'm not hostile to God. I might not disagree with, you know, the Christian faith, but I'm not hostile. We're going to dive into how these two kingdoms are not compatible. And at the core of it, there is an enmity from the kingdom of man to the kingdom of God. And you can say, well, that's not me. That's my heart. But we're going to dive into why you, you know, we all begin. And some of you watching this might be in the place of being a hostile foreigner to the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about why that is. But then for those who choose to, to immigrate, we go from the hostile foreigner to the broken immigrant. And you can say, well, I don't want to be broken to be an immigrant. And the, and the discussion is not that you want to be, not that you have to become broken. But as we begin the immigration process, we begin to realize I am broken. And so when I come in, it's not something I have to become broken so I can immigrate. But it's a realization that because I was born in the kingdom of man, I was born broken. But what do I do about that as we begin the immigration progress? So, you know, the first step is realizing we're the hostile foreigner, then making the choice to be the broken immigrant. But then as a citizen of the kingdom of God, because of what Jesus did, we could become the next step, which is the loyal citizen. 
How do we become a loyal citizen? And it doesn't mean you're just a, a yes man or yes woman and you have to do everything right and live the perfect life. And in fact, it's the opposite, but it's a time of growing and knowing that that loyalty and faithfulness is something that you don't have to give to God, but God gives to you as you become um, more like Jesus, becoming an imitator of Christ. And then from there, he said, but even there, I've called you to something more. I don't want you just to be somebody that, that knows how to follow me well. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have the same heart that I do. And you're going to be passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. And I want to send you back to the people that don't know how to get into the kingdom and show them the way. And so you go from being a loyal citizen to a passionate ambassador. And a lot of times we think we have to drum up this passion. How do we get this to be a passion to become the ambassador? Because I can't really tell anybody. I'm nervous. I don't know how to. But we find that what happens is when we become more like Jesus, not only does that faithfulness happen in us because of the fruit of the Spirit, but so does the passion that Jesus had. And when it's time to be sent back out to be a passionate ambassador, we can't help. But go, because that is what's passionate in my heart. So the four stages, um, hostile foreigner, broken immigrant, loyal citizen, and passionate ambassador. And each one of these is going to be a section of the book. We're going to start off this season about the introduction to the kingdom of God. And we're going to go into the what, where, when, why, um, how, and who of the kingdom of God, and each, each one of those will be a different chapter. And so this season will all be about the introduction. What is the kingdom of God and why should you care? And we're going to introduce those four stages. But then each other of those seasons will be one of those four stages. We'll start with the hostile foreigner for season two, the broken immigrant for season three, the loyal citizen season four, and the passionate ambassador. 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 Thank you, English for season five. And what will be fun too is we're gonna go through, I'm a bit of a history buff, so we're gonna go through the history. As, as an educator, as somebody that works with curriculum, we have a term for that. The scope and sequence. What is the scope and sequence of this curriculum? What is the scope and sequence of this book? And this is the fun part, since it's talking about the kingdom of God, which was there before humanity and is going to be there after this earth ends, the scope is the entirety of human history from before God created the world to after this, we, after this world and we have a new heaven and a new earth, which means it's going from Revelation, opposite, Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end. And, of course, we're going to have to do sort of a, um, a big overview of this. But each one of these seasons, Hostile Foreigner, the introduction, the Hostile Foreigner, the Broken Immigrant, the Loyal Citizen, and the Passionate Ambassador is going to go through the entirety of the Bible from beginning to end, talking about from the Garden of Eden to where the kingdom of man came about in the Hostile Foreigner to... Um, the work and mission of Jesus in the broken immigrant, the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, but even things like Jesus declaring the year of the Lord's favor and the year of Jubilee, the season we're in, 
We're going to go back through the Gospels during the um, lawyer citizen and going through the book of Acts at the beginning of the church to see how that began. And then the passionate ambassador, we're going to be going through the epistles and then through revelation about what our calling is now and even through what Jesus said about the end times. We're going to go through history um, from all the, the, the covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, the, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant covenant um, coming up to Jesus. But even through church history, we're going to go through things like the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. How did that fit in through the um, the Constantine shift um, in 300 AD and how the church kind of shifted, but not necessarily for the best way. Um, we're going to go through the, you know, coming back to the Jesus shift, how that or, you know, was the calling to the church. We're going to go through some of the revivals, especially with Count Zinzendorf, and then going through the Finney revival. And even something that's passionate to me through things like Ivan Q. Spencer, who was the beginning of Elam, which is something that that um, I'm passionate about. And here's the interesting thing. All of this was beginning to form with me where I was sitting in 2015 in the Spot coffee shop on East Avenue, downtown Rochester. And I was writing and I was passionate about it. And I was getting to the place where Ivan Q. Spencer saw a vision that God called him to for revival. In fact, he saw the words revival and they were on fire. I didn't know it at the time. I wouldn't come to know it till, till six years later after I had left Rochester and God called me back to Rochester and my family to find out that the place that Ivan Q. Spencer got that vision was at a place called the Rochester Bible Training School, which was literally right across the road from where the spot is in a prayer room on the upper room. When I was sitting there writing this and God was giving it to me, I was looking out to the very place where that room was. It's no longer there, but the building's no longer there, but that's where Ivan Q. Spencer got a vision for revival. So it's sort of fun to think that I didn't even know it, but I was in that same street, same area and block where God was doing some things. And we look back and Finney, Charles Finney, was in that same block, uh, same street when God started to move in him in some of these revivals. And so it's fun to be able to see those connections when we see the scope and sequence. So that's sort of the things we are going to dive in on this season um, as we begin to ask the question, what is the kingdom of God and why should you care? But when we say what the tagline is, how to prepare for the next, last, and greatest awakening, this is my belief. I believe God is preparing for another great awakening. What does that mean for you? Does that mean, you know, through this book, Millions and millions are going to get saved. No, no, no. That's not the calling of it. The calling of it is, you know, not some political belief. I know QAnon people use the word, it's going to be a great awakening. And, you know, it's to me, it's sort of ripping off a beautiful phrase. It's not talking about any of that, but it's talking about where it begins. And it begins with you and God. What does God want with you? What is this relationship you keep hearing about he wants to have with you in your life? What does that mean for you? And what does it mean for the church you go to? So this book is about how to prepare for, yes, maybe something bigger that God is going to be doing through the church, but really it begins 
with you and God and the revival that he wants in your heart and where you are. Um, and we're going to see this through stories like the story of Count Zinzendorf and um, even my own story. How, we, how this whole thing was about bringing revival to my heart. Um, and then how do we prepare for that? We prepare for what God is doing in the world by preparing what, for what God is doing in our hearts. Um, and so when and where and if and how God does the next great awakening, what we're called to is where are we in the kingdom of God? Because I do believe he's calling the church, not just through this book, through what he's doing to back to understanding what the kingdom of God is, why it's so important to him. And the big question is why it should be important to you. That's the conversation, guys. We're going to have a good time. Next episode will come out in two weeks. Um, we're going to be putting it out um, yeah, every two weeks. And we're going to go through this first season. It's going to be going through the what is the kingdom of God, where, when, why, how, and who of the kingdom of God. And we'll break that down by chapters. But next episode is going to be the preface, Treasures New and Old. And we're going to have some fun with the name. What is Jesus Land? Is it a religious amusement park? Some of us want to make it that way. But what is it to God? God bless, guys. Thanks for joining in. I am Pastor Kevin Neville. I will see you on the next episode of Exploring Jesus Land. God bless.